My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. In my senior year of college, we had what was called a values seminar. It was a theology course only for seniors, and it was different from some of our other classes. There really was no exams or tests, which is one of the reasons I was drawn to this. (laughs) There was some reading, there was writing of reflection papers, a lot of discussions and debates, and my favorite part, watching movies. The seminar was called The World of Evil, and our movies for the semester included The Exorcist, The Mission, Romero, The Good Son, and this movie that I had never seen or even heard of before, titled Ordinary People. Ordinary People is the story of a a family struggling to deal with the accidental death of one of their teenage sons. The mother and father with their surviving teenage son, Conrad, live in this wealthy Chicago suburb. And some months before the time of the film, Conrad's older brother, Buck, drowned when the small boat that he and Conrad were sailing in capsized during a windstorm. As the film begins with the mother played by none other than Mary Tyler Moore, she seems very cold and very withdrawn from Conrad. And as the film progresses, you learn later that Buck had been her favorite as she's actively hostile to Conrad and to her husband. Conrad had recently come home after being three months in the hospital after an attempted suicide attempt. The kids between uneasy and agonized in his high school and his family world. The the father tries to go from being emotionally present to his family, but often gets distracted and caught between his wife and his son. 
talking about things that don't really matter. And it's in, within this setting, the film tells the story of Conrad's attempt to deal with the guilt that he feels after his brother's death. Through a series of psychotherapy sessions, they're able to make a lot of progress. And it's after one of these sessions where the husband, who's played by Donald Sutherland, starts to have some realizations. And one evening in a midnight confrontation with his wife, he lays out his heart to her. He tells her of his sorrow and he points out how she has substantially changed for the worse in these months since Buck had died. And at that, she proudly packs her bags and leaves the father and the son. And the film ends early the next morning with Conrad and his mother in this emotional embrace alone together on the front steps of their home. This movie, of all the films that we watched that semester, and perhaps of all the topics that we discussed, sparked one of the greatest debates our class had ever had. When we came into our class, our professor, Father Daly, said, so tell me about the movie. And for 10 minutes, we were reacting, saying things like, it was such a powerful movie, or wow, I could never imagine Mary Tyler Moore playing such a, a challenging and different role. It was almost like we were avoiding talking about the main point of why we were watching the film in the first place, which Father Daly, after entertaining us for a few minutes, finally was having done more of it. And he said, what is the evil in the movie? The one son's death. That seemed to be the consensus, and we were all pretty settled with that answer. Father Daly was completely dismissive and wouldn't let us discuss it too much. And he said, what else? The suicide attempt. That didn't even get an opportunity for someone to agree with before he said, what else? And at that, there was silence. We didn't know. We couldn't really see anything else. There really was nothing else. And it went on for this difficult few moments, of awkward silence that seemed to go on for ages. And then very quietly he said, what about the mother? Well, what, what about her, we asked. Is she evil? Oh, no, come on, she lost her son, she's overwhelmed with grief, you can't say that. How can you say that? We wouldn't even accept the premise. And after a couple minutes of this back and forth, finally, Father Daly snapped and said, the mother was evil. Did you see how she not only admitted one son was her favorite over the other, but that she wished the one son who was still alive and the other one was gone? Displayed by not only her not reaching out to her surviving son to try to deal with the guilt he was feeling, but instead fostering that guilt. And then he kind of looked at us, you know, bewildered and said, get over it, men and women. The woman who could turn the whole world on with her smile was heartless and cold. And she personified evil. To put it mildly, we sat there with our jaws open. And he followed it up with this. He said, evil can mask itself in many different ways. And the worst thing we can do 
is to deny its existence, or even worse, to be afraid to confront it. I can't tell you how impactful that class was. What initially was my attempt for an easy class of simply watching movies became a very important focus to my young mind at the age of 21. Because so often we tend to make excuses for evil in the world and in our own lives. We find new words to call it, misguided, youthful indiscretion, oversight, all in the process of not confronting it before us and perhaps not to confront it within us. Very rarely will we see a, a little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork in his hand. More likely it will be the cold-hearted, vicious individual who may be far gone, who may have cooperated for evil with so long that they don't even realize it anymore. They, they're unleashing it with such abandon. It's true what countless individual philosophers and theologians and popes have said, the worst thing we can do is to deny that evil exists, that the devil exists. Which is why today's gospel is so foundational, so essential, and so important for us. We're only two weeks into the opening chapter of the gospel of Mark. We move from Jesus' call of his first disciples that we heard last week where he announced the kingdom of God was at hand. And what's the very next scene? Jesus confronting evil. His first miracle in the Gospel of Mark is not the healing of an illness or multiplication of fish and loaves. It's an exorcism. Far too many want to kind of skip the chapter. Far too many want to try to explain it away, saying, well, in that day and age, it was so primitive, so superstitious. People were not as enlightened as we are today. They didn't understand mental health issues or, or medical issues, which, yeah, they did. <laughs> there will be times when Jesus heals someone from something without it being an exorcism. And those distinctions are, are clearly made in the Gospels. Far too many think that even talking about the devil and his influence is embarrassing and makes being a, a practicing Catholic Christian seem foolish to the world, when the opposite is true. If someone doesn't believe in the devil and calls himself a Catholic Christian, that's foolish. Jesus' very name means God saves. The kingdom of God that he just proclaimed in last week's gospel that was at hand is on the march. And that's what sets the stage for today's passage. This very first confrontation between Jesus and the works of the devil and his influence takes place in what would seem the most unlikeliest of places. It's in the synagogue. Already Jesus' presence and his call has captured the hearts and minds of, of Simon Peter, of Andrew and James and John. They've left everything to start following him. And earlier in this passage, people are described as astonished at his teaching because he's speaking with such authority. But that didn't even scratch the surface. In this next moment, 
the reality that God had become man, that Jesus was here to definitively and clearly show us that he is victorious over evil and that he's here to unleash that victory on the cross and in his resurrection is just beginning to dawn. He's here to empower us to be members of his kingdom to defeat the devil and to confront and overcome evil in our day and age as well. And that's what made this first visit to the synagogue so memorable for all eternity. Now more than ever, we have to be serious about this fight, about the spiritual warfare that all of us, every one of us will encounter, particularly as, as so many have drifted away from their practice of their Catholic faith or their very belief in Jesus Christ as they've gotten more and more secularized and enamored with the things of this world. We see ever-growing numbers of people even embracing vocabulary that's celebrated like individualism, which by its very nature eliminates God. More and more are becoming numb to sin where there's this distorted notion of freedom where people believe that they can do whatever they wish, not recognizing that in the process they're making themselves God themselves. And too many dismiss evil as simply something of our own making or the absence of something. For us here, hopefully, we have the faith and certainty that God is real, that Jesus is alive and is present, both in his word being proclaimed and in his body and blood that we receive in the Eucharist. But that's not just to make us feel good or connected to something bigger than ourselves. That's to help us to confront and defeat evil in our lives and in our world. We're just a few weeks out from Lent, which is our annual period of intense focus on the need for repentance. But that's not to limit it to just that time of year. Jesus wants to strengthen us in this daily fight to free us from the things that are unclean deep within. He equips us for that battle, most especially with this, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, by receiving the body of Christ in the Eucharist. But outside of that, Jesus has given us other weapons that we're meant to make use of. First, making a, a thorough examination of conscience, naming the sins that we, we hate to admit, and going to confession. It's so important because it's an opportunity for us to name the evil that we've allowed into our own lives, the thing that the devil uses to weigh us down with guilt and shame. And instead, in that moment, to have the Lord completely rid us of it with his absolution. Another practice that we don't often talk about enough is the need to fast. Fasting from something, deliberately choosing to refrain from maybe eating for a day, or watching television, or going on social media even, when we make a conscious decision to refrain from something that's not necessarily sinful, something enjoyable, something that I desire or I want, that's a quiet act of faith. It's a prayer that involves mind, body, and soul, where I'm making space to say that I know God alone sustains me. 
He alone gives me the breath to breathe. He gives me the food that I truly desire, which is the bread of life in the Eucharist. When we start to, to utilize these, these spiritual weapons and integrate them into our daily life, we find ourselves less anxious when I see and hear evil in the world because I know that Jesus, the Holy One of God, has helped defeat it in my own life. Some of this can make us feel uneasy. It's one reason that people deny evil in the first place. We want to name it something else, even when it's obvious. It seems too powerful for us to even imagine engaging into a battle with. St. Padre Pio shared how, in a private revelation, when God was calling him into greater holiness, he reminded him of this reality of spiritual warfare and how it was a, a bit disconcerting to him. But Padre Pio said he felt peace and was able to proceed when he heard these words, take heart, enter confidently into the battle, and go forward courageously, for I shall be close to you. May we have that, that same faith and trust and confidence, knowing that Jesus is desiring and willing to rid us of all that's unclean, all that is evil in our midst, so that we can truly live that freedom that comes from being God's beloved sons and daughters.